Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. Good to be back here. Always a privilege, always a pleasure to bring God's word to God's people uh, every single time. And I'm thankful to God. I'm thankful that uh, you have invited me to be back here. Let me say a quick prayer before we jump into God's word. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me start with this question that I came across on the internet a few weeks back. So somebody posted this question and this person asked, what is the happiest or best five-word sentence you could hear? And so, as you can imagine, through the, in the internet, you know, there are plenty of answers that were given. One of the answers is this. You just won the lottery. <laughs> All right, five words that can really change, change a person's life, isn't it? So on October the 27th, 20, 2022, we have Lottery West, the Powerball jackpot, reached a total of $160 million. Right, imagine someone winning that lottery and the kind of lifestyle that can afford. Or imagine yourself winning that lottery. How could it or how should it change your life? How would you spend that kind of money and how do you think it will change your life? Now, you would imagine that, you know, for any one of us, except the richest amongst us, that kind of lottery winning will change our lives. And they would imagine, usually, that that kind of funds, that kind of money, would change your life for the better. Because now you're no longer constrained by the lack of funds. You can do whatever you like to do. What is the wise thing to do in this case? Is being rich necessarily a good thing, especially when it comes from no effort of your own? Well, the book of Proverbs has many things to say about wealth, many things to say about riches, and how they relate to wisdom. So we're looking at Proverbs chapter 8 today. It is a book that is widely understood to be written by King Solomon. And as we heard from the Bible reading, we have King Solomon. Uh, God approached King Solomon in a dream, and God asked him, well, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. That is an absolutely amazing thing for God to say, isn't it? Ask for whatever you want from me and I'll give it to you. And Solomon could ask God for anything, anything at all. He could have easily asked for riches, asked for wealth. He didn't do that. He asked for wisdom, wisdom to rule over God's people. And so he became known as the wisest man on earth. Like even Queen Sheba from a nation in the south, they, she would come and listen to Solomon's wisdom. And he's the one who wrote Proverbs. And so it's important to see what he has to say. Now, before we jump straight there, one of the things that we need to know about Proverbs is that it's not meant to be read like a law code. Right? That's not how Proverbs is meant to be used and read. read. You know, Proverbs is more like wisdom sayings, like wisdom sayings of our day today. Like, you know, for example... An apple a day keeps the doctor away. We all know that. But we all know it's not a literal meaning. But the idea is we take care of our health. We be intentional of the things that we eat. It keeps the doctor away. We be healthy. That's the idea behind it. The same thing with Proverbs. 
And so we're looking at Proverbs chapter 8, and in chapter 8, we have wisdom personified as lady wisdom. It's a rhetorical method used to bring a point across. So keep that in mind as I read from Proverbs 8. So in Proverbs 8, we have lady wisdom, personification of wisdom, speaking to us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8, and I'll take the time to read the whole chapter. And one of the things that I will invite us to do, get us to do, is towards the end of that particular chapter, from verse 32 onwards, I'm going to get us all to read that together, all the way to the end. All right, can we do that? All right, we can. Excellent. So will you be bolded on the screen, or just follow along in your Bible, and I'll be reading from the NIV. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 36. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I cry out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear Yahweh is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that, that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, but I use the pastor's choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasury full. Yahweh brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning, when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its beasts or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters could not overstep his commands, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. And verse 32, let's read together. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. 
but those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Thank you. So this chapter has three points, as I'll bring out. Starts with this point. Point number one from verses 1 to 11. Wisdom calls out to us. Wisdom calls out to us. So verse 1, immediately we see the personification of wisdom as Lady Wisdom. She stands at the highest point along the way where paths meet, and she calls out to everyone. Right? She's at the most visible place where everyone can see her. Right? She's at the entrance of the city where everyone will be walking through, and she is there. The idea is wisdom is at a place where everyone can see and find her. And she can address everyone. And she calls out to you, O people. I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. Wisdom is not hard to find. It is not hard for us to see. She's standing at the places where we walk all the time. In other words, in our daily lives. In each of our daily lives. Wisdom calls out to us. And she calls out to all mankind. So wisdom is not only for Christians, it is for all mankind. All of us here, if you are here, you're a Christian, wisdom is calling out to you. If you are here, you're not a Christian, wisdom is calling out to you. She is calling out to all of us. Question is, do we desire wisdom? Are you seeking wisdom? Now on the surface, it might be a silly question, of course we do. Of course we will seek wisdom. And I ask that question because sometimes it's easy for us to say, yes, we desire wisdom, but in our day-to-day lives, what we are tempted to do is to take shortcuts, to, you know, take instant gratification. And in doing that, we don't get any wisdom. We don't learn anything. So many things in our world today, we are taught to crave instant gratification, to skip the messy parts of life, but often there's no wisdom in instant gratification. There's no wisdom in skipping the messy parts of life. Because it is through these messy parts of life that we have wisdom, we learn wisdom, we gain experience in life. And look at what wisdom offers us in verse 6 onwards. Right? She has trustworthy things to say. She speaks what is right, what is true. She detests wickedness. Her words are just. She has knowledge. Wisdom has all those things to offer us. They are good for us. That's why she's calling out to us. And she calls out, come. Come and listen to my instructions. Choose my instructions instead of silver. Choose my knowledge instead of choice gold. Wisdom is more precious than any rubies or any riches in our world today. What is the point of having riches but we lack wisdom? That is a repeated command throughout Proverbs, actually, to desire and to gain wisdom more than silver and gold. Let me list a few. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Proverbs 13, verse 13 to 15, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver, use better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Proverbs 16, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? Remember the lottery question. 
our lottery answer at the start. Did you know that many people, many of the lottery winners, actually they don't have a good outcome? Many of them. Good example is Jack Whittaker. So this guy from West Virginia in the United States, he was already a relatively wealthy man, so he had a net worth of about $17 million at that point when he won the lottery. He did win the lottery. What was at the time the most, the largest single jackpot in US history? $315 million. And he chose to have it in cash, which is about $170 million. And after taxes, he got about $117 million. It's a lot of money. And he said, he announced, he planned to live as if nothing had changed. But unfortunately, everything changed for him. Because what would happen is that financial agents would somehow stalk him at his regular breakfast place, and they would badger him with suggestions on how to spend his money. He would endure constant requests for money from people, from charities, from family members, from friends. He had so many requests, he had to hire someone to stick to those requests. And when he did not give in to those requests, he was accused of being heartless, <coughs> cold, stingy. His wife left him. His 17-year-old granddaughter died apparently from a drug overdose. And throughout all these tragedies, he has been quoted in saying a number of times that he wished he had just torn up the lottery ticket. Riches and wealth do not guarantee a good life. It does not guarantee that you will flourish in our world. And the choice gold and the rubies that are talked about here in Proverbs, they not only talk about material wealth, it talks about all the good things in our life here. It's about your beauty or your status or your pleasure, anything good in our life. They don't guarantee a good life. Wisdom is greater and more precious than all of them. Right, those material things, they don't guarantee that we will flourish in our world. That's why wisdom is more precious than anything in our world. And wisdom calls out to us. Wisdom calls out to us. Choose my instruction. Listen to me. Listen to me. Why? Which leads to our second point. Point number two. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. This is from verses 12 to 21. Now in this section, we get a bit more information about what wisdom is. Right? Verses 12 to 14. I, wisdom, we dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge, discretion. To fear Yahweh is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, perverse speech, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. And so we see a bunch of words associated with wisdom. She dwells together with prudence. She has knowledge and discretion and counsel, sound judgment, insight. And here we see the first man mention in this chapter between, about the relationship between wisdom and the God of the Bible. And notice that when I read this portion of the text, you'll notice that instead of reading the Lord, I say Yahweh, right? That's the Lord with small capital letters. And Yahweh is, a, is the covenantal name that God gave his people in Exodus chapter 3. It is a reminder of his covenantal relationship with his people, of his covenantal love with his people. He's not any God out there. He's a specific God of the Bible. 
And so wisdom is linked to that God, to Yahweh. And it's not the first time in Proverbs that we have this link. Earlier on, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, we read, The fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, fear of Yahweh, fear of God, is not about being afraid of God in that sense. It's more to do with reverence and respect and awe. The beginning of knowledge, beginning of wisdom, is knowing, revering, respecting Yahweh as the God of the universe. Because we recognize this world is God's world. He is the one who created it. And if you know this God who created all things, then wisdom is about hating evil and pride and arrogance, evil behavior, perverse speech. And so what you see here is that wisdom is more than just intellectual knowledge and how to apply it. True wisdom is grounded upon a relationship with the God of the Bible, the God of the universe. It's from this relationship that we take the knowledge that we have and apply that knowledge to live a life well lived in this world, in this world that God has made. Right, one pastor puts it this way in his sermon. He says, it is being a well-rounded person who can flourish in this world, who knows how to think, how to act, how to choose and live well and righteously before God. And that's why, as we keep reading verse 15 onwards, even kings and rulers, they need wisdom. Verse 15, by me kings reign, rulers issue decrees that are just, by me princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. Leaders in our world, they need wisdom to lead and govern well. When our leaders, when our politicians, when they lead well, lead with wisdom, everyone under them benefits because they'll be blessing. People flourish. That's what leaders are supposed to be doing. They don't lead for their own benefits, but rather they lead with wisdom so that the people they are leading will flourish and be blessed. Wise leaders would have wisdom, would have discretion, would have counsel, would have sound judgment, insight, prudence. But most importantly of all, all these attributes can only be found in a relationship with the God of the universe. Wisdom teaches us how to flourish in God's world, teaches leaders how to help others flourish in God's world. Have a look at verse 18 onwards. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Fruit that comes from wisdom, as we read on, fruit that comes from wisdom, the results of wisdom, is better than fine gold, surpasses choice silver. True wisdom built upon reverence to Yahweh walks in a way of righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love, uh, love wisdom and making their treasuries full. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Because that means we'll be living in this world in the way that God intended us to live. Let me give you an example. In recent, de in recent decades, there have been many, many books written on the idea of servant leadership in organizations and companies. With research showing that employees who are in these companies, they would operate more likely to work at the best of their abilities at this point with servant leadership. Where did they get that idea from? 
from Jesus. Another example, have a look at this headline from this news article. It says, religion may be a miracle drug. Church attendance is correlated with longer life and a sense of meaning. Let me read a few paragraphs from that article. It says, if one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost, what value would our society place on it? Going a step further, if research quite conclusively showed that when consumed just once a week, this concoction will reduce mortality by 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. How urgently would we want to make it publicly available? The good news is this miracle drug, religion, more specifically, regular church attendance, is already in reach of most Americans. Now, it's, you can tell it's not written by Christians, right? But what they're acknowledging is research showing the benefits of regular church attendance. Now, we don't attend church because we want to live longer. That's not the point, right? But the idea is our reverence, our relationship with God brings about flourishing in our world. This is one example of it. Because when we come, when we have regular church attendance, as we sit under the regular preaching of God's word, together with God's people, we build strong relationships with one another as God's people. And these strong relationships help us weather the storms of life creates bonds with each one of us that will help us when in times of trouble, in times of need. But most importantly of all, of course, we have access by the Spirit to God of the universe. That's a blessing in our world. A blessing in our world that's increasingly rare today. God's wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Point number three. Wisdom is woven into God's creation as part of God's good design. Wisdom is woven into God's creation as part of God's good design. Verses 22 to 31. Now remember, this is the personification of wisdom speaking, right? Lady wisdom speaking. And in this section, we find that she's there already at the beginning of creation. Before anything that's been created, she was there before the watery depths, before the mountains, before the hills, before God made the world of its fields, Lady Wisdom was there. When God set the heavens in a place, Wisdom was there. Lady Wisdom was constantly at His side, at God's side, as He created the various aspects of our world. Now the idea is, Wisdom was there when God created the world. This is a poetic way of saying, remember, this is personification of Wisdom, it's a poetic way of saying God wove wisdom into creation. He used his wisdom to craft and to build this world. Wisdom is God's good design for this world. Creation is not made haphazardly. Creation did not happen by chance. God created all things and wove his wisdom into all things, every aspect of our world. There is an order to our world planned by God. Verse 30, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in His presence, rejoicing in the whole world, delighting in mankind. And those of us who are familiar with Genesis 1, immediately we will recognize what is the, the pattern here. I, I, was, I was filled with delight day after day. God made the land and the seas. He saw that it was good. 
God made the vegetations on the land, and he saw that it was good. God made the sun and the moon and the stars, and he saw that it was good. God made the different animals, and he saw that it was good. Lady Wisdom, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. God made mankind in his own image. Male and female, he made them on day six, and he saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Wisdom is woven into God's creation as part of God's good design. And part of what it means to have wisdom then is understanding how God has made this world, to think God's thoughts after him, to see the world as God sees the world, and applying that knowledge in our lives is to see this world as planned by God, intended by God. That changes the way we approach life, changes the way we approach, for example, the sciences. Because anything we learn about this world, anything we learn from science, what we are doing in the sciences is that we're not merely gaining intellectual knowledge. What we're essentially doing is studying and knowing how God designed this world to be. In other words, we're studying God's good design for our creation. Science, good science, gives, gives us a, a glimpse into the mind of God for our world, created with wisdom, with order. There is a physical order in our world that if we obey them, we will flourish. But if we ignore God's design for the physical order of our world, then there will be disasters. Right? God created our world, for example, with gravity. If we ignore gravity, we jump off a building thinking we can fly, that will not end well. Right? We, we've ignored God's design, we reap the consequences. But if we understand gravity, understand how it works, we can use that for our advantage and we build great machines that help us flourish in our world. But not only that, not only did God use wisdom to create our physical world, he also established order with wisdom in our moral world. There is a moral order in our world, just like how there's a physical order. In the same way, when disaster strikes, when we ignore the physical order of the world, disaster strikes when we ignore God's moral order for our world. If we do not pay attention to how God has designed us to be, as human beings, we ignore all that, it brings pain and suffering. And the rest of Proverbs is filled with lists like that. If you don't work hard, if you are a lazy sloth, if you live a life of lies, if you are without love, without honor, basically ignoring how God has made you to be, there is pain and suffering, pain and misery. If we ignore building relationships and, re and communities with each other, if we ignore how God has designed our bodies to be, and we do whatever we want, well, we will have isolation and loneliness. We would suffer from intense insecurities about who we are. By ignoring God's design for us, we are being foolish because we are only harming ourselves. Verse 36, those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. But if we understand how God has made us, 
if we build strong relationships with one another amongst our families, amongst our neighborhoods, amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have this great family, great, great community, part of a wonderful society where people love and trust one another. And as we do that, then we can flourish in God's world. Because that's part of God's good design. Wisdom is woven into God's creation as part of His good design for us. And so wisdom then calls out to us because it is more precious than any riches in our world. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world because true wisdom is built upon reverence for the God who made this world. And we understand and we see that wisdom is woven into God's creation as part of his good design. And that's why towards the end of this chapter, there is a call for all of us. Let me read verse 32 onwards. Wisdom says to us, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from Yahweh. Solomon wrote this. And we saw that Solomon was the wisest man on earth. When God asked him what he wanted, he asked for wisdom. He asked for discretion. And he wrote Proverbs to pass that on to others. He is so wise that other rulers came and sought his counsel. First Kings 10, Queen Sheba comes from the south, arrived at Jerusalem to visit, to visit Solomon, and she was overwhelmed by how wise Solomon was. He was a wise man. But this wise man was still able to be seduced and tempted by sin. And he gave into that temptation and he lost his kingdom as a result. About a thousand years later, there was another wise man, Solomon's great son, Jesus. He spoke to the crowds, crowds that are gathered around him, and he says this in Luke chapter 11. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is talking about himself. He is greater and wiser than Solomon's wisdom. In fact, he is God's wisdom in the flesh. And so we saw wisdom calls out to us. Jesus calls out to us because he's more precious than any riches in our world. Wisdom teaches us to flourish in God's world. Christ teaches us to flourish in God's world because true reverence to God is only possible through Jesus. Wisdom is woven into God's good creation as part of his design. Christ is the one who wove wisdom into God's creation because he is God's agent of creation. Jesus is God's wisdom in the flesh. You see, wisdom is more of a who rather than a what. God's true wisdom is not learning about a, about a bunch of wise sayings and then applying it. True wisdom in God is about establishing a relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ and letting Christ's wisdom rule in our lives by the power of the Spirit. True wisdom is a Christ-empowered life through the power of the Spirit that lives for the glory of God. 
Without Jesus, there's no true wisdom. Let me finish with a passage from Paul in Colossians chapter 2. Remember what he says. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the wisdom of, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so let me turn back to Proverbs chapter 8, and I'm going to read from verse 32 onwards once more. But as I read it, listen to it as if Jesus is speaking to us. This is Jesus saying to us. And he is saying, Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from Yahweh, our Father in heaven. Wisdom is calling out to us. Well, Jesus is calling out to all of us. Let us respond by seeking him and listening to him. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for him, and it is only through Jesus that we can see and have true wisdom. True wisdom in understanding how you have made this world, understanding how you've created us to be. And we praise you that we can know you through him. Despite our sinfulness, despite our transgression, despite the wrath that we deserve, you have loved us. You have sent Jesus to us, adopted us back into your family, reconciled us back to you. And we are ever more thankful and grateful for that. And through Jesus, through the power of your spirit right now, we can know who you are, we can know true wisdom, true wisdom that is built upon a relationship with you. And so, Father, we ask and pray as your people, help us to seek true wisdom together in Jesus Christ as we live in this world. Help us to be salt and light. Salt and light in a world where they do not know you, in a world that's crying out for meaning, in a world that is crying out for relationships and communities. Help us to reflect the love of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.